1: It's a container of some kind, an assignment, top priority from them.
0: Well then it is exciting.
1: Well, aren't you going to open it? No, I'm not meant to. No, it's only meant for one person and creature. It will only open for Paul to open. Paul to open. Yes, and what do you do? Unpeople, undoing unthings, untogether. Diseased? Who knows? Perhaps they're right. All we're going to do is switch on now and see what happens. Whether they're ready for it or not. Here
0: comes the dream!
1: Hello,
0: Hello. <laughs> and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television program
1: in random order. I'm Pete Pashel. And, and I'm Chris Taylor, and sometimes we do these intros in random order, uh, not in the order we expected. <laughs> and sometimes we both want to say hello to you, dear listener, because uh, we're so excited to be. We're excited, on this random quest with you, exactly. So excited uh, with what we've got for you today—a thing that you may not necessarily, if you're a Doctor Who fan, be excited about. But let's set it up. Let's set it if, up, if you will,
0: previously on Pull to Open. <laughs> Three stories ago, guys, we were in the Tom Baker era. We were in the middle of the Key to Time saga with a little episode called The Pirate Planet, written by one Douglas Adams. And uh, we departed Zanak and got in our TARDIS and uh, went back in time. Chronologically, uh, way forward in time in the show to uh, another part of the Tom Baker era, the early part. uh, And we were on the Ark in Space, the far, far, far future.
1: So, not set in the 30th century.
0: Not set in the 30th century, way beyond it. And the randomizer, which has been rocking in us through this journey, uh, really took a liking to future history. And, Decided to give us the beginnings of the Earth Empire in a pretty epic tale called Frontier in Space, which so is 26th also 26th century, 26th century and sort of yeah. unofficially known as the master's Dalek plan. <laughs> uh, and then we it's time. It's time to see the decline of that empire. And yeah. it actually happened in the season previous. And so this is taken us it's taken us to season nine serial four
1: the mutants yes and and i i should say i feel responsible uh for bringing us here because <laughs> what i asked the randomizer at the end of last week was hey uh i kind of liked the uh, well-drawn empires of earth and draconia uh i liked the political intrigue there like the fact that there was some nuance of you know debate within each, each empire show us some more of that. show us some kind of naughty political space opera stuff and <laughs> lo well. and behold, it served <laughs> it right up. It was like, boom, you want it, you got it. I, I'm not sure I really got the dish that I asked for. This is definitely one of those moments where the dish comes back in the kitchen and I'm looking at whatever else at the table has gotten. And I'm thinking, I really shouldn't have ordered this. It sounded good. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's kind of this rainbow of color on my plate and it looks really weird. You anyway. know, when we talk about why the
0: randomizer brought us here, I think we can just skip that one because <laughs> it just completely directly uh, answered you and gave you what you wanted. <laughs> It's so, is, guys, as
1: well as featuring mutants uh, who are also in frontier in space. I mean, yes, that's right. We've
0: got some wild connections to talk about. We do. And um, by the way, if you're here just for our commentary on the mutants and you want to cut right to that, feel free to check the show notes in your podcast app or the notes right under the video if you're watching us on YouTube or Spotify and check for that time code, which will be there very prominently in the. Descri- right after the description, um, you can cut right to yes.
1: that and uh, get... Yeah, if, if you jumped. are dying of radiation poisoning, then uh, please skip forward and, you know, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss the cure. We'll, we'll talk crystals uh, and you can get straight to that. Usually starts about 10 minutes in if uh, you know, look at the show notes. Uh, we're, we're trying to roughly do that with the feedback mm. loop. A lot of interesting stuff going on in the feedback loop, including the homoji challenge, uh, which is coming up. Uh, but in the meantime, we just yeah. like to remind you, folks, that one of the best ways to show that you like pull to open is to leave a review in the podcast app you're using, um, especially Apple Podcasts. If you happen to be using that, I know I do occasionally. Uh, but if if you're in there, just you know, just leave a review. Uh, five star reviews are fun. Uh, you feel really good about yourself when you leave a five star review for a podcast. You're going to get that warm radioactive glow with you all day. Um, but there's a better way to uh share this podcast and it's a uh, very random discussion of doctor who uh is, is share it with a friend don't just uh, review it share it with a friend uh send it hit that share button uh on your smartphone and just just like the first four or five people that pop up just share the podcast with them no explanation uh, yeah just, just do it yeah just we're, do it be tweet it out tweet be it your to your followers people. you can do that tweet it to your followers you can follow us on all of the socials uh we will we will get to that and one thing that you can do on all of the socials in all of your reviews is uh, choose a Doctor Who story that you like represent it in emoji form and that will form a direct pipeline to pete torturing my brain uh, <laughs> as he's about to now with what we like to call the Who Moji Chart.
0: Oh, it's my favorite segment. It's happening now. <laughs> yep. Where I get to bra- uh, tease the brain of one Chris Taylor on uh, Doctor um, Who show titles and what their emoji form is. So I got one here. We got a bunch in recently. Okay. Oh and this one, uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, I think I think you'll like it. So I don't know if you'll get it, but I think you'll like it. I uh, <laughs> certainly won't get it. Set so expectations low. So, are you ready, sir? No, but let's do it. Anyway. <laughs> All right, commencing the emoji challenge. Uh, this is from Gabriel Canada. Uh, he's on. He comments on uh, a lot of our YouTube videos. Thank you, Gabriel, and uh, he gives a f- couple of these and i'm going to uh give you the shorter one right now so okay uh, this is two emojis and
1: uh, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> spoiler they're the same emoji so here it is <laughs> oh no okay first emoji <laughs> devil face with horns okay and second emoji also devil face with horns
1: uh, the, is, is it the sea devils because we're seeing devils uh, good guess no, but wrong no. uh, it, it's the, uh, the it's the satan pit because you've got two satans there uh, mm, I think there was only one satan in the satan pit <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a whole pit of satans i of these <laughs> that's, satans and that's I the big finish pit. that's the big finish secret <laughs> the second satan um, the satan hmm. pool that one yeah yeah uh the satan pool no uh, oh god uh the, is, is there a devil is there just the devil's uh title in, in uh, All of you're, getting, you're getting warm you're getting warm oh really the demons <coughs> uh, Boom. exactly there we go. thank goodness we were in the pertui era and my brain was sort of in that realm anyway is it the demons or the daemons? I'm always da- Daemons. I don't know. I think it's
0: the da- I think they pronounce it the daemons like in the actual show, but I think it's actually like that you, you just pronounce it normally, like demons. I think that's how you're supposed
1: to say the word. I'm, I'm gonna split the gonna difference and that. say daemons. <laughs> which is how I always think of it when I spell it that way. Daemons. daemons. Beautiful. That
0: was good. That was a good exercise in process of illumination. Nicely done, sir. Yes. Thank and you. thank you, Gabriel. For that emoji uh, challenge, and we'll get to the other one, and some others that we also got in from uh, various folks uh, in the coming weeks. Oh
1: wow, you you guys like to torture me. I
0: love it. <laughs> Bring it on. All right speaking of bringing it on guys keep bringing it on on spotify hey spotify Mm. listeners we're talking to you now not only can you rate this show pull to open on your mobile app you can give a rating for the doctor who stories that we talk about so as fans know we give a rating for the story we're talking about at the end of every episode of pull to open uh there there's the dalek the Ogron, the viscount banger we'll explain all those at the end of the show um, but you, too, have a voice on Spotify and something we're going to be calling Poll to open because hey. you use the poll feature on Spotify to uh, basically vote. And yeah. we keep these polls open uh, for as long as we can, uh, which is quite a while. So if you're finding this podcast in the future and you think, oh, I missed the boat on voting on uh, mutants or whatever no you have it go ahead right. go go to your uh the poll feature in that in the show and, and go ahead and have your vote and yeah. then we'll talk about vote the results
1: early. vote uh, early, vote late vote often whatever you like and and we got results for the ark in space we do which is an interesting one because as we noted at the time uh, both returning showrunner RTD and Stephen Moffat uh, ra- rated this their favorite classic who episode ever so presumably would have called it a Viscount banger uh but only 10% of our audience agreed with them. I know. And yes, 80% of them agreed with us when we raised as a Dalek. Very solid, um, r- solid showing on the Dalek,
0: yeah. but still a Dalek. Not a banger. Not a banger.
1: Um, and 10% said Professor Hater, which is our rating for not a great episode, but taught us something or they tried something, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I sort of want people to kind of leave their comments there at the end as well, like... What exactly is it you think they tried for the first time? Is it the, the human colonization aspects? I feel like all of the elements in Ark in Space were done before. But but yeah, they they didn't like it, but at least they didn't think it was an ogre.
0: No yeah, over. exactly. Um, I could see that. I could see that. They definitely tried to make it more adult. So maybe that's what they were sort of voting for because this was it was famously the first story produced by Philip Hinchcliffe. know, um, yeah, they also tried some
1: bugs. So <laughs> that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess. I guess. Yeah, the Hinchcliffe thing that makes yeah, sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, no Ogrons. No fixed point in time. Looking forward to the results from the Frontier in space. See how many Ogrons uh, we get for that <laughs> for the, the most Ogron stuffed story. If you're an Ogron, please uh, fire up Ogron Spotify and vote Ogron. Yeah, don't.
0: I do don't not vote. feel obligated to give it an Ogron just because there are Ogrons in it, though. I feel I should sure. emphasize that it might might get a poorer showing for the frontier in space, but you, you know it might you might have to disqualify some of those Ogron votes if it tends to uh, dominate the the
1: ratings. So we'll see. Mm, mm. Yes, and if you're a Dalek, also feel free to vote a Dalek. All uh, right, but do so very late in the day, at the very last minute as a surprise.
0: Well. If you are a Spotify listener, you might also want to check us out on another platform, that being YouTube. So we're at YouTube.com slash bolt open. Now, even though you can see us on Spotify because we're on Spotify video podcasts, uh, you we are not we are also on YouTube. And it is a great thing to subscribe to us there as well, uh, because that will also really help the show. So uh, plus, obviously, you can see all of the Easter eggs in our background. Um, there's also a way to get notifications whenever we have new content. So all of that's great. And a uh, special bonus. We are now also on YouTube music. So if you listen to YouTube music, if you subscribe to that, uh, you should be able to easily find us just search for pull to open and we will pop up on the podcasts tab or whatever that is. in the search results on YouTube music and you should you can subscribe to us there too. So that's good times. That's exciting. Uh, lot- lots of really good discussion on youtube too we have lots of good comments and i'd like to highlight one of those now and it's from one of our fans there on youtube it's nat smith and they're commenting on our podcast for uh frontier in space mm. and he made me aware of something that i don't think i was i might have been aware of once and just kind of forgot about but anyway here's the comment it says maybe this would be more relevant for when you all get to the story but i love the fact that that it's nearly universally agreed upon that the reason the Daleks executed the master in the opening of the TV movie was for letting the doctor escape in the last moments of this story, thus Mm -hmm. defeating their efforts on Spiridon, which is the the planet of the Daleks in the following story. I just enjoy that it's, this is the kind of show where plot points can have ramifications 20-ish years later down the line, even if it's a bit of a retcon. Plus it gives me the headcanon that the master has such a long list of beings they need to avoid because of, betrayal and other failures throughout the years that they lost track <laughs> which i think this is, this is pretty good actually I, I sort of vaguely remember i think hearing this theory i think in the 90s sometime and then kind of forgot about it but it totally makes sense like this is um 100 yeah like the like because the the tv movie opens up the daleks are executing the master for some reason you're just like what what did i just come in the middle of something here um which you kind of are in the TV movie, but. It is, uh, that, that actually makes total sense. This is like sort of their revenge for uh, utterly screwing up the end of that story. Now, on top of that, I kind of wonder, like, well, have they just gone past a certain statute of limitations by the time of the power of the Doctor, I guess, <laughs> when they're all kind of working together? But I mean, I feel like because the Dalek Empire is is destroyed and rebooted a few times between now and then, I think it's kind of like, okay, that's a bit of a reset.
1: Yeah, the the master ma- manages to make peace with the Daleks by introducing them to the music of Boney M. Um, <laughs> which I don't know if you uh, watch Black Mirror, uh, Rasputin got its second pop culture outing of the uh, in the the last Black Mirror episode, Demon Seventy Nine. They actually feature a demon in the form of a member of Boney M. In oh, that man. story, um, which is fabulous. Given that, of course, the power of the Doctor really just had us all sing. Rasputin <laughs> in our heads, um, but yeah, I, I love this. I love this comment. That's absolutely right. I think, however, uh, that we're not we're not thinking big enough here. Like, if we're going to headcanon this stuff, let's tie it all into the Time War, right? Because hmm. the, the okay. Daleks, the the Time War at the time of the TV movie, the Time War is almost upon us, right? It's right. it's going to hit soon at the end of the McGann era. Uh, the Daleks executing the Master could be a thing that the Time Lords would take as a provocation, right? Hey, hang on. Mm, he's, he's, right. our re- he's our renegade. We're the ones who get to execute him. These Daleks are a menace. Uh, maybe that, that's when they go back and tell the Tom Baker Doctor in Genesis of the Daleks to eradicate them in the beginning, and then that kicks off the whole conflict. Uh, because, well, yeah, he, something yeah. We, we're we really thinking time War hit. Like, Frontier in Space gave us a reason to think about it. Um and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the the Time Lord involvement here at the mutants. Uh, so, some, certainly something the randomizer wants to think about, and yeah. I, I would just love to see a, a a nice long essay on like tying almost everything of the loose plot threads of Doctor Who into the Time War. Can it be done?
0: Yeah, because there's definitely like a couple of dimensions to the beginning of the TV movie. One is the mm. stuff we just talked about with the Master being executed by the Daleks, but another is that the Doctor is explicitly transporting his remains mm. back home, and that's another one where you're like, well, what? Why? You know, and who Who put him up to that? And mm-hmm. uh, the, the, some of that is actually kind of answered in the novelization, but the novelization's canonicity is obviously questionable. So, there's a uh there's another sort of thing to unpack there and if it is sort of the time lords doing this mission to, uh, basically getting the doctor to do it on behalf of them uh i like your theory that that could be some provocation that mm. that they, they're getting the evidence i guess to make maybe some case uh to the lord president or whatever to escalate this to yeah. some kind of time war that's not bad
1: yeah, yeah, especially as the you know the the doctor kind of snitches on the master at the end of Frontier in Space and asks for directions to the pirate planet and uh, the pirate planet <laughs> the Dalek the planet of the Daleks, uh, which I guess spoiler alert is Spyridon. Um Yes, that, yeah. that's not
0: much of a spoiler. You just learned the name, of it, but yeah, <laughs> well, I already spoiled that it wasn't Scaro, so
1: yes yeah. yes so yeah definitely something there's a whole other Doctor Who to be filmed as it were about uh, the the machinations of the Time Lords in the background of all of these stories so yeah. kind of opening my head kind of up to that uh, oh, so thank you... you Nat thank you for everyone <laughs> commenting
0: uh, yeah and if you would like to give us the script to that uh, <laughs> that idea go ahead and send it to us on TikTok Yeah. pull to open in the video form where uh, pull to open all one word or just drop us a line on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook on all of those platforms. We are at poll to open 63 so go ahead
1: and drop us a line. All right. And it's really right. time to talk about the Time War ad nauseam, because that's that's how we pick <laughs> off. That's what The Mutants is all about, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. It, you know, I'd, I'd like to uh, start a half-hour uh, audio essay on the subject of the mutants and the Time War. Uh, that, time War. That's, that's a great way to start off our recap, right, Pink? Time War didn't watch.
0: No. <laughs> TWDW? Hey. No, guys, it is time for TLDW. Oh. Too long didn't watch. Too long Doctor Who, where we summarize the entire plot of a Doctor Who story in record time. And today, the person doing it has a whole three minutes because this is six full episodes of the classic series for which we allot 30 seconds per mm. episode. And the person to take advantage of all of that time
1: is one Chris Taylor. Are you ready, sir? Uh, Second no. time I've
0: asked that of you today.
1: <laughs> I think I need to beam down to Solos first and and do some more research. That's uh, yeah. okay. You just talk about yourselves for the next half hour. I'll, mm. I'll go check this out again. All right, all right, it's, I'll do it's it. It's been That's a
0: colony been for 500 years, so they have some time. <laughs> no, but we should get to this quickly before those missiles hit. All right. I'm going to assume you're ready. I'm going yep. to start the countdown to the official pull to open summary of the mutants in three, two,
1: one, go. Okay, so we start on the planet of Solus, and there's a old guy coming out of the mist, and it's not Monty Python; it's the mutants because the Marshal and Stubbs and Cotton are, are chasing him, and uh, they they shoot him, and uh, uh, Marshall is some guy who's like, eh, you know uh he's a he's a mutt and uh stops and cotton are like god this planet can't get independence fast enough cut to the doctor and joe in their lab and uh, they've just received something. Something has appeared, and Joe is like, is this lunch? Is it a bomb? Uh, no, it's a message from the Time Lords, but the Doctor can't open it. He has to get seconds. to the TARDIS and go to this uh, Skybase 1, uh, which is in uh, orbit around Solos, and and uh, there's a peace conference going on there between the people on the planet and uh, the Overlords, which is the, the future human empire, and the Doctor's like, hey, can someone open this? Turns out to be this guy named Kai uh, can can open the special message from the Time Lords. Uh, but what's the, what happens? Oh, the administration of the stations have just been assassinated, uh, by the, the soloist people. And, uh, the, it, it's panic and the marshal is taken over it's martial law <laughs> and the doctor and joe and subs and cotton are all running around and eventually they go down to the caves on solace and uh they, the marshal's trying to trying to bomb them out with professor jaeger who's who's uh basically a nazi doctor and uh he uh he, but the doctor survives in in the caves and 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 they encounter uh these really mutated versions of of the Solus people, and uh, but they also find this professor who's uh, been down there for yeah, ages, 30. who who uh, saves them from the radiation and uh, brings them to his special lair. And he used to be with the Overlords as well. Uh, but uh, he and the Doctor and Joe, they they all find that they find this crystal, uh, which they do some experimentation on. They manage to open the the uh, the the package from the Time Lords, and they see that it's all like little. Um, uh, hieroglyphs are, explaining that Solus has actually uh, got like a 500 year year going on, and they're they're changing seasons, and these Two these things aren't mutations. Uh, it's it's a natural life cycle uh, that that always happens on Solus, it's like a butterfly kind of thing going on. So, uh, but meanwhile, the marshal is mad. He wants to totally uh, turn the atmosphere into Earth air and he keeps. Uh, bombarding the planet with it, but they're all beam back up and there's there's a rebellion and a revolt and the Marshal accidentally shoots a hole in Skybase 1, um and uh, a bunch of people get sucked out into space, but eventually the Earth investigators arrive and Joe tells them everything about what's been going on. The Doctor 30. sort of, uh, acts, you know, kind of is worried about Joe, so he he doesn't tell the investigators everything, but eventually he does, and uh and and then uh, the uh the marshal ends up getting killed by Kai, who's mutated mutated into his super form, and uh and then uh, the Doctor and Joe go back into the broom cupboard and back into the TARDIS while telling very bad jokes. And <laughs> what else is going on? Oh, uh, Cotton, re- uh, Alexa remain behind with this and professor. Time.
0: So,
1: oh, cool. Yeah. Yes. You got, cool. you got it. But, and then you didn't with the
0: filler. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember, hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse.
1: Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. <laughs> Good job. Right. Thank you. Thank you. I figured get to the end as fast as possible. And then I can go back and use the extra seconds. This is my new...
0: Well, I was worried. This happens a lot, actually. I think when you you're basically exhausted, your first thirty seconds, so ostensibly (laughs) the first episode, and you're about five minutes in, (laughs) you did a lot of like the first (laughs) couple of scenes in in your TLDW. Yes, Um, yeah.
1: Well, sort of the so with uh, Frontier Space last week, we noted there was a lot of prison scenes. (laughs) You kind of complete them a lot here. There's just a lot of going back and forth between Solos and the Skybase, right?
0: Right. And into the caves and into you yeah, don't really see much of Solos other than the caves. And like a couple yeah. of a couple of shots. There's a couple of shots of the village and a couple of shots of bushes that people yeah. crouch under. I mean, I guess in that first scene when they're chasing the old guy. Yeah. But
1: and no yeah. women, strangely enough, That's that is one thing definitely notice. There are no women on solos. How do they I mean, is do they reproduce asexually? What 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 is going on? <laughs>
0: feel like I you needed Sarah Jane there to talk about <laughs> not just women's
1: lib coming to Solos but women.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> Liberate the women from the underground caves in which you're keeping them, people. Yeah. Jesus. So taking a step back, um mm. the mutants is
0: one, the second story to be called The Mutants in Doctor Who. Yes, it's kind of a funny thing because it used to be that the second serial, which is now known as the Daleks generally, is was called the mutants for a long time, or at least I mm. sort of used both names. And then after this was broadcast, they they stopped calling it the mutants more or less. And I don't you have to you have to go way back on some old material um, to really costly. find it referred to that way. Um, um, but can this be rewritten. Is, you know, it's a pretty uh, this is also uh, the second story written by Bob uh mar what who is it bob baker and dave martin oh yes. yes baker
1: and martin they're just the baker and martin team we've we've uh seen yeah. this stuff before with the claws of access
0: yeah uh, yeah they're, they're very prolific yeah. there are a lot of stories yeah. together i think when you when you got a team i guess you can really crank these out um this is a very, very overtly prolific. political yeah, or, overtly political plausible. story very and definitely sort of highlighting the evils of colonization and sort of the ra- the racism that gets associated with that. Uh, it kind of hits you over the head with it, but I think, you know, you you get it like, and, and it doesn't do it in such a way like orphan 55 does where yeah. it's super preachy. I think this is simple, simply a, a future portrayal of this kind of idea. And yeah. there are, there are a couple things that are super obvious. Like the biggest one is that, the set, the main set with the trans man has the arrows of here's where the overlords go. And here's where, uh, the Salonian Salosians, Salonians, Sol- Salonians go. Solonians. And, you know, it's one of those things. Why would they even need separate transmats? And well, well <laughs> and it's not supposed to be logical, right? It's the whole point. Yeah. It's like, you don't need separate water fountains, uh, as well, it or is, separate schools or et cetera. So
1: probably the most overtly political moment where I think that the doctor and Joe kind of look at it and he, he, Literally said segregation, as, mm. as he looks at that. Um, yeah, it's on the political front it was it was trying to pack a little too much in now I, I'm definitely mm. a fan of narratives that that tackle politics from uh, from from a remove. Star Trek did it a lot in the yeah. '60s, obviously famously. Uh, but here there were, there were just kind of too many cooks in in the political kitchen as it were, so Baker and Martin really wanted to do something about South Africa. And mm-hmm. segregation. Uh, Terence Dix, who uh, we last encountered when we were at the war games, when he wanted <laughs> to say something about war. Uh, by the way, we were with his uh, co-writer Malcolm Hulk last, last week in the Frontier in Space. Another, another randomizer connection. Well, D- um, but- Dix was script editor at this time. He was script hmm. editor, yeah. and he wanted to do something more focused on uh, British colonialism and decolonization. Mm. And this is definitely a period. This is 1971. Uh, 72, when uh, 72 sounds right. 72. Yes. So, so this is a period where all of a sudden, and we talked about this with, with carnival and monsters, all of a sudden British TV is full of, uh, uh, programs that are reexamining the British empire mm. and sort of saying, uh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh i didn't realize we did that uh so you know britain's kind of coming to terms with itself in the early 70s and meanwhile barry Letts had this idea for a species that kind of evolves like a butterfly uh it's actually a, a very original idea um i, I couldn't find any uh, previous example of that uh in, hmm, in science fiction right. history Uh, That's kind of new. It kind of feels a bit Game of Thrones, doesn't it? With the, um, the idea of the seasons being hundreds of years long.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. i mean um, i i yeah. confess i i've actually never gotten into game of thrones and that <laughs> might be something that <laughs> well, i've just made really. all <laughs> to open listeners go what I, don't, I, don't, I, I have never really gotten into it I um, it's
1: not really explained in game of thrones it's just uh kind of taken as as a point of fact in the world that you know winter will last for we don't know how long 10 years 12 years uh whatever like it's going to be a serious winter um And then the spring and summer, et cetera.
0: So, so you definitely get, get a sense of like, you would definitely be more surprised by those ideas from something Mm. in 1972. And and I think you're right. I'm trying to sort of, as you were asking, uh, had anything done this? Am I, Mm. my quick Rolodex of the Star Trek, (laughs) the original Star Trek? I I can't really, there might be something in there. Um, No, nothing really comes to mind. Mm. I do know in later Star Treks, they do these, these kinds of things. And, there was definitely sort of a, a famous or infamous episode in the first season of Star Trek Enterprise that mm-hmm. talked about a race that is going to go in some sort of natural evolutionary process, and this is what sort of begets the prime directive. Interesting. Um, so, but that's that's the only clear example of that. And there's probably something in Next Generation, just because it went seven seasons, and they, they did every possible plot I mm-hmm. think.
1: Um, so yeah so it's a bit too much it's almost uh you know like something we often accuse Stephen moffat of is kind of packing too many concepts into one story hmm. and uh that that's definitely what's going on here like all of those things uh, segregation colonialism the butterfly evolution these could all have been separate stories well they were also going to
0: include a little bit on cloning towards the end for whatever reason and (laughs) that you know they they rightly decided let's not do that because it would make it too complicated and um they they ended up it's funny they ended up doing something like that in the invisible enemy where they kind of just throw in Um, cloning so they can go into he can go into his own brain and stuff like that which sort of seems like yes um a funny semi-extraneous thing so (laughs) the the doctor who even got around to doing the extra ideas that they had in various
1: episodes recycle your ideas star was famous for doing that um so uh yeah, Dixon lets they also added Professor Jaeger, uh who's sort of the uh as I described him as a Nazi doctor in the TLDW, kind yeah, of what bit. he is, basically, because he's you know, he's he may be a well meaning scientist, but like he's chemically bombarding this this planet.
0: And, yeah, he's uh, he's
1: complicit,
0: yeah. I think is a good yes. word for him. So yeah, it's a good place to start, honestly, talking about him mm-hmm. and, and um his relation to the marshal and his, how he contrasts with two of the guards, Stubbs and Cotton, who, mm. uh, cause it's, it's, I think it's important to sort of draw these lines and because this is the, the story invites us to do it. Cause the marshal is one of the evil, most honestly, one of the most evil characters I think we've seen in Dr. Who. Yeah. And we can get to him in a bit. Uh, Stubbs and Cotton are kind of these guys who don't really like what they're doing. But they're kind of almost the just obeying orders type until the doctor shows up and things start to really go bad and they they're uh, kind of forced to make a choice and they choose to start working against the marshal, which is good for them. Um, Whereas Jaeger stops and cotton, (laughs) yeah. And but whereas Jaeger doesn't, right? He he Mm. he clearly makes the choice to stay with the marshal and his plan, regardless whether that's reluctantly. And it probably is a bit reluctantly. I mean, I think you can tell from the script. Um, and there's even a moment in episode six where the marshal basically, I think he's talking about how he's putting the people back in the room where all the radiation is coming in. Um, and he says like, well, the, the, the radiation is gonna be, they'll, they'll die. And he's like, yeah, that's the whole point. Mm. And, and Jaeger's, he's sort of taken aback. He's kind of horrified just by the casual cruelty and, and, evil of this guy and he sort of goes but he doesn't do anything he's just kind of like oh okay i guess i guess that's what we're doing (laughs) you know and that's kind of like what what he does throughout like with the missiles and he's changing the atmosphere and he sort of makes up these reasons to justify to himself he's like earth's dying and you know we need uh we need this colony and Uh, The doctor has a really great retort at one point to him, which is like genocide is a side effect. Yeah, we can't worry about side effects. It's like genocide is a side effect. Wow. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you know, think about what you're doing. But of course, even if he does think about what he's doing, he doesn't. He never reverses course. He never changes his mind or or switches sides. So I think it's totally fair to call him essentially a Nazi doctor, which is uh, even though he's not, he's not the psycho. He's not the guy literally taking the skin and making lamps out of it or whatever, you know, horrors you want to pick from the Nazi time, but he is sort of like not actively working against uh, this horrible thing that's happening. And it's, it's harsh judgment, I'll admit, but it is, it is what it is, you know, like, and again, we have to sort of take the script on, on its face value here. um, And, uh, yeah, Jaeger, man. Mm. He's, he's not that much of a redeeming character. <laughs> he's he's the Jaeger bomb. Um,
1: yeah, he's, he's... I mean, I, I just wish that, that all of these things had room to breathe, right? You know, because they kind of just all come together. We had six episodes. <laughs> much, I know, you'd think, you'd think. But so much of it is taken up with running around caves and, uh, you know, uh, like little, little scenes back on the station and just... Uh, and also, we should say just while while we're at the th- this thirty foot thirty thousand feet view, some of the worst acting ever. In There's North some Denver. bad
0: stuff. Uh, who There's are you thinking of specifically? I've got my my picks on this one. Well, I
1: I would say the marshal is is oh, no really s- yeah I, I, well, I okay. mind him. But anyway, we'll, go on. We'll, we'll we'll get to cotton. Cotton's kind of an obvious one, but mm-hmm. uh, but the marshal, the guy who's playing the marshal, just sort of doesn't really seem to be having fun with it hmm. like he's this he's this herman goering figure he's a total fascist mm. um he's got the totally fascist uniform uh with with the helmet and he just you know he wants to to uh you know terraform the planet and he wants to recolonize it basically um but like the actor he, he almost plays him a bit understated Mm. which is weird. Like when everyone else is kind of overacting, he's underacting. Or is this, this is the role where you exaggerate and kind of have fun with it. Right. If you're going to do this at all. And yet it's just sort of like, he's just like the not fun boss. He's just so shouty and just so kind of single minded. Like there's nothing to him to, there's nothing compelling to him. You don't get any sense of layers.
0: Yeah. There definitely isn't layers to him. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. conflicted at all. Um, but that's actually honestly why I find him a, a good, not a good character, but I like seeing this brand of evil on display. Um, mm. you could make a case either way on the acting. I thought if you made, if it, honestly, it's weird. I saw this when I was a kid. I only seen this one other time. Um, yeah. when I was sort of was first watching Pertwee and, uh, or maybe the second time, I think I actually saw the omnibus version. So I remember when I said, I sort of checked out of Pertwee on the, the initial yeah. run, I think it was right around here. And it might've been even like the first couple episodes of the mutants mm. that had me check out. But yeah. I, I was young. I was like 10 or 11 and a lot of the political stuff would have gone over my head. Right. And, uh, when I watched this now, cause I, I definitely saw it one more time, probably when I was 13, not certainly much more politically aware, but, um, now seeing it again, 30 plus years later, I I was actually surprised how much I was taken in by the politics. I'm just like, Oh, I get it. This Mm. is an anti-colonial message. And then seeing a guy like the marshal, this person, again, you're not wrong. I mean, there's no depth to him, but seeing that sort of brand of evil of like, this is what I'm doing and I'm just going to do it by any means necessary. And and I I have zero empathy and zero thought for, for anyone around. And it's, it's sort of a casual cruelty. Like yeah. it's very goal based. You know, I got to get this, and I'll kill as many people, or just not really kill. It doesn't. He's not. He's not relishing the killing so much as just like they're in my way. He like, why wouldn't I kill
1: them? He has zero political instinct as well. Mm. Like he, he doesn't. He he locks up one of the investigators at the end mm. <laughs> when he has there's absolutely no reason to. Like he he'd won. He'd kind of fooled the investigators into into thinking in his way of thinking and releasing then- his men. He, he had no, well, but this is
0: the, I gotta say, that's one of the, there's a lot of plot weaknesses here, but one of them mm. is that if the investigator, uh, I don't want to, this kind of getting a little bit on a tangent from from mm. from the marshal, but he, it makes no sense we'll that, that he would just sense. give power to the marshal right then because the guy's yes. under investigation and the things he's been accused of are extremely serious. They're, they're, he, he, I get that he, he's under the impression there's an emergency, mm. but, Giving supreme authority to the guy who has just been accused of abusing that authority, surely there was another thing you could have done, given fi- figured out who's a second in command here or what have you, or give it to one of your own men, etc. Mm. Uh, you didn't yeah. have to give authority to the marshal to, to get that done. Now, you're right about the political instinct stuff, uh, but I also think. You kind of have to headcanon. It's not even have. To, there's not even that much headcanon because I think they do paint a pretty clear picture that Solos is sort of on the back of Beyond. It's like the contact with Earth has been extremely minimal. It's obviously a long journey to get there, so mm. they're kind of on their own. This is kind of like you know the frontier this is his way out. Um, he doesn't really have to answer to anybody uh, in a uh, in a real sense, right? And he can he can sort of plan around. Other people coming to investigate, uh, particularly if he's got a thriving colony by the time they get there. So I think mm. it, it's not that. I, I'll admit he's probably not thought it all through because he is kind of a madman. Uh, the, the doctor's yeah. not wrong about that either, but um, it's it's not as like totally insane as as I think it sometimes comes across.
1: Yeah, the investigator giving his man and his power back. Could you imagine that, American voters? Imagine giving the power to run everything back to the guy who's under investigation. <laughs> Sorry, a little bit of politics, a little bit of politics. Hey, uh, hey, throw, throw that in there. But yeah, so so to get back to the casting of the marshal, I would right. have loved, so Jeffrey frickin' Palmer is in this. He is. He's the guy who plays the, the administrator, who is oh, a yeah. cool guy. Who wants to, you know, give give solace back to the Salonians and get the hell out of there, go go back home, you know, decolonize, Uh, and he's the one who gets assassinated. Now Jeffrey Palmer, uh, British people know him from from just everything. Uh, He's such an amazing actor. He's been in Doctor Who two other times. He Mm. was, I believe, the captain of the Titanic in Voyage of the Damned.
0: Oh wow, yeah, okay. Now that that he definitely looked
1: familiar. Okay, yep. I think wheel in space is the other one, but he's just in everything. And he is the finest actor in this. So to assassinate him at the end of episode one, a mm. uh, very poor choice. I would actually have loved to have seen him as the marshal, because mm. then he, he would have brought some depth to the character, I think, and, and made it much more interesting given how much we have to focus on him. Like, I think a thing that we, obviously this is hindsight, what we know now from the Golden Age of television is antiheroes are potentially the most interesting people in a in a multi episode mm-hmm. t v story, and so I would love to see Jeffrey Palmer in, if you will, kind of a Walter White role here of like you know being the bad guy, but maybe he has other other reasons now. You know, yeah, a bit, a bit of a different script anyway, but he could have injected it with some some layers, some depth.
0: Yeah, I think that's what's lacking here, even though I think yeah. that it's spelled out what their plan is, which is uh, what's the Marshall's plan, but and, and Jaeger sort of adopts it too, in that they want to essentially create new Earth. And the Earth is in a sorry state. They paint a pretty vivid picture of a place that is completely... Uh, Urbanized, it's essentially Blade Runner Earth, Hmm. and but worse because the there's a point where Kai talks about, oh, you must come from a sky city, and Joe's all like, no, I'm from London. It's like on the ground, and he's like, no, 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 no. no. I've seen, I've heard about Earth. I've seen about Earth. Like everything, everything is like completely uh, crappy. No one, no one lives on the ground anymore. Hmm. Um, Which is like, oh, that's a grim picture of Earth, Mm -hmm. and. They, they talk about um, this, the empires in decline, and I think it's really interesting that Doctor Who, uh, probably because of the sort of anti-colonial stuff that was going on at the time, decided to show an empire in decline and what yeah. was going on there. Uh, and before, it actually showed the beginnings of it, right, in Frontier and Space. So it's funny, the randomizer sort of taking us in <laughs> reverse order of this, sort of in the, uh, of the kind of the proper order <laughs> as far yes. as the chronology goes. Randomizing not um, being random. But they paint that picture of Earth and they want to create this new Earth and essentially create a new center of the Empire because they, they have dreams of creating a new Empire and they, they feel like it starts here. And um, despite the fact that the atmosphere is poisonous and whatever, and the Marshall um, has ways to deal with that, obviously with the missiles and stuff, um, but they're just pulling out which is clearly mm. the right thing to do. I mean, it seems like they've really ruined this planet in a lot of ways, and yeah, the people don't like them. The,
1: what is the resource that they're extracting here? Some kind from... of radioactive...
0: It's like thesium. Yeah, uh, some made-up it, radioactive it's element.
1: Some some mineral MacGuffin, if you will. Yeah. Uh, that they there have, always is. Yeah, that they have extracted for the planet. They did birth. this a lot in the PERTUI
0: era, with like Peladon yes. and stuff. Anyway. Mm-hmm.
1: But it definitely, it gets that, that connection between, you know, colonialism and the extraction of resources, right? So yes. kind of really uh, uh, adult history stuff here being inserted into a kid's show. is fascinating, you know, definitely you can't fault them for their ambition uh, on this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, perhaps too much stuff trapped in. But to go back to the casting, uh, I think it is time to tackle uh, the problem of Rick James, who is the guy who plays Cotton hmm. uh, and is uh, an actor from Antigua. And uh, th- I believe that the director really fought to, to get a uh, a black actor into this production. And I'm, mm. I'm glad he did because it's obviously, you know, it's dealing with issues of segregation. Do you call it like, let's get a bit yeah. of diversity in there as well. Now, uh, Rick James uh, who plays Cotton, he's kind of derided, by a lot of Doctor Who fans for, for being a terrible actor in this. And you've got to admit, it, it is not his finest hour. Hmm. Um, and a part of the problem is, uh, well, so Baker and Martin were very surprised that he was cast um, as, as an Antiguan actor, because they'd written this part for a cockney. like They'd written all, all of right. the dialogue for a cockney. Stubbs is clearly from Liverpool. He's a scouter. And uh, you know, uh Cotton was gonna be a cockney, so Yeah, he even uh, calls him like
0: Stubsy at one point. It seemed, yeah it seems like a weird choice almost. Uh Yeah.
1: We've done a lot better in Cockney, but hey, Stubsy. Yeah. Um but no, he's he's doing his antiguan accent. Um and he kind of stumbles over the the lines a lot, and it just kind of looks like he's in an amateur theater production, which is very unfortunate. Again, given that that he's you know kind of uh, flying the flag for diversity and representation in Doctor Who, um, but he is. So I did a little bit of research on him, uh, and uh, he's he's Rick James, bitch. He's um, <laughs> he uh, was an actor of stage and screen. He actually came here to San Francisco and studied acting in L.A. and and went on the stage in London. Uh, he was turned down for a bit, he he turned down a bond movie, uh, oh wow! which he was probably going to have a bit part. I think it was in live or let die, uh, live or let die. Oh yeah. Um, that one? yeah. And then he marries this German woman. He goes back to Antigua and he becomes this political activist for like, you know, Antiguan uh, elections. He he wants to kind of remove the corruption from the Antiguan political system. So, you know, good on you, Rick James. Uh, Is it still around? no he died in uh, 2018 i believe oh okay um all yeah, right he, he had a long long rich life married a german woman they had a son together um it's uh, yeah he had quite a life so it is unfortunate that this is the only intersection that it had <laughs> with dr who because i kind of wanted to uh, to you know go back and, and prove that he's uh, he's a better actor than he appears to be here well at least his character survives Yes, it does. Which is interesting that Stubbs is the one that dies, uh, because yeah. often we, too often, we have this trope of like you know the the black friend dies, is right. Is, you know, the, is kind of a trope in a lot of writing, and and they kind of reverse that here, which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's it's sad to see Stubbs go as well. Um, you know, I'm always looking for more Liverpool representation in Doctor. Who.
0: Well, I like that the the pair of them uh, are. Granted, more depth than your average guard, and they uh, follow the Doctor and Joe around, particularly in the caves, and are pretty instrumental to sort of helping them out in this story. Um, so that's all good. I feel like the cave stuff bears a little unpacking. First of all, the caves look amazing. Those are real mm, caves for sure. Real caves. They're some <laughs> of the best caves <laughs> Doctor Who is shot in. I yeah. think. Um, They actually kind of reminded me. I'm not sure. I haven't, uh, I I don't, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but they look very similar. I think to some of the caves in the five doctors, Uh, I think it's a a different Mm. location, but um, doctor who's had some good caves and this is
1: some of the better ones. These are some of the better ones, but it was so, I I got, I I just read an interview with a designer uh, on this who said some things that were like, you, you could never do that today. He said that we, we just smeared wallpaper paste and glitter on the walls of the caves Hmm. Just like really. I mean, could uh, were you concerned about that? Uh they so they look fabulous that's why. But you also said they looked like they were going to fall down, which is like, you know, you wouldn't right. you just wouldn't shoot there these days if the caves, <laughs> There were chalk caves, those bits coming off. And it's like, yeah, none none of this would be replicated in the 21st century. Yeah, yeah.
0: Definitely uh some health and safety concerns would probably get brought up <laughs> it's today. A health and safety nightmare. But they're good caves up until the point where they have to do some like CSO type effects work. And Mm. essentially Joe and the doctor at some point have to go in sort of the, the rave
1: cave or the disco cave. The rave cave, the (laughs) rainbow rave cave. It is so appropriate that we are recording this on pride weekend (laughs) uh, here in the Bay area, because yes, this is a rainbow filled episode. My friends, this is, this is doctor who being out and proud and loud. Uh, my goodness. I really like, that was actually my favorite part was the visuals in the caves. Hmm my favorite part of the mutants and it's almost like that parts of this are like a music video <laughs> in embryo, yeah. you know, like, that well, may be the best part to, way to see these episodes. It's it's better
0: when it is the actual caves. Cause when it's, when it's mm. clearly like an actor and superimposed over some glowing sort of still picture of a cave, that's not good. But when they're actually in the caves and they actually have some green lights and some yellow lights or, or blue, light, whatever it is, That looks pretty good. That looks like oh, that's a party I want to go to. That's awesome because it's got John (laughs) Pertwee and Katie Manning, and they're all we're all hanging out in the caves with these crazy bug like guys who are kind of dancing like crazy and swinging their hands and their claws around the mandibles. I love the mutant costumes. They're fabulous. Well. And speaking of underused, I feel like they're really underused. I mean, they don't really do much. You know, they kind of sort of attack the Joe and Kai early on, and then they're shooed away. And then then they kind of just leave everybody alone for a long time and let, until uh, Professor Sondergaard br- brings them all up to the the base or, or brings at least one of them up to the base. But he could, like, yeah, a bunch of mutants, and you think there's going to be a big mutant down at the OK Corral here on Skybase. But no, like just one of them comes up and just gets shot. uh, Yes, so
1: much for the mutant mutiny. Um, (laughs) Yeah, again, again, it's sort of an interesting uh, time to be recording this because we have just had that very weird mutiny in Russia. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which sort of feels like it, like I was watching this in the wake of that, and it kind of feels like it ties in uh, to a certain res- in a certain respect, like yes, the, the mutants do stage this very weird insurrection, and so do the the Salonians who are in original form. Like, va- is it Varin right. who sort Varen. of kind of limp limply waves a sword at the marshal, and, and you know, and then then gets sucked into yeah. space. Well, uh, it's like, funny we were yeah. we
0: were just talking about in Frontier in Space about sort of the rushed ending and the bad it cuts <laughs> and it doesn't really work as an action sequence last week. Here, holy cow, like that is a master class. Like that's like John Woo level action compared to some of the stuff here. <laughs> like you talked about Varon waving his sword and that whole scene where the Marshal opens fire on him, it blows a hole in the bulkhead and they're going to get sucked down into space. And it's, it, it, first of all, like I'll, I'll forgive the bad effects. Uh, it's Doctor Who, uh, but the whole thing where they're kind of, trying to climb out and grab onto things and get out of there. And, uh, and, and it's just so bad. They just kind of walk out. Like there's no, I don't think anyone even turned on a fan, you know, like (laughs) uh, what are you doing? Like, it it just looks really, really bad. And then it also just makes no sense. Right. Like if the air is all sucked out, like you're just, Mm -hmm. you're going to survive for a minute. Well, not even a minute, like a few seconds. And then you're Mm -hmm. just going to fall down. Um, Anyway, the, uh, luckily, like they get this right years later in oxygen and yes. in various other places. Uh, but it's it's a it's it's just a weird. Tra- and if I, to think about the genesis of that scene where the marshal just shoots his gun and destroys the wall. If yeah. you think about it, it's like why are you, if that if the walls are that flimsy, there should be complete complete forbidden firearms yeah. in this place. Like everyone should be checking their gun. Like there should be no guns allowed on Skybase whatsoever if that, there's even a chance of that happening.
1: Yeah, and you, you would expect just a tiny bullet hole. But no, this this whole <laughs> size, the size of a Greek column, I mean, it's just, wow. No wonder they get instantly sucked out. And yeah, the, the weapons do not seem to be that effective otherwise. So mm. it's uh, very bizarre. Uh, again, maybe, maybe carbon fiber walls again, a little bit of, uh, topicality with the carbon fiber submarine that just uh, went down the wreck of the Titanic. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Mm. So fascinating, fascinating stuff. Um, wow. Yeah. I, yeah, the mutants kind of work. It's kind of hilarious. This is definitely one of the more campy episodes, uh, of Dr. Who, uh, and and kind of weird stuff kind of going on during the filming as well. Did you know that John Pertwee adopted a pet field mouse on the the shooting of this? <laughs> no, shooting I didn't.
0: This? Seems and like Paul the kind of stellar. thing he would do, though. He's either stealing stuff from the ancient ships, or he's he's adopting, <laughs> having conversations with Draconians, or or yeah. adopting mice. It's 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 just and, kind of his thing.
1: Casey managed a photo shoot with a llama. I mean, this was early seventies, groovy doctor who baby with, you know, lots of, uh, right on politics and cool, colorful caves and rave caves and, and the costumes. In fact, I really like Joe's costume. Oh uh, yeah. I like that. Joe's yeah, great. Badass, uh, stuff there. And to your point last week, have you, we hoped that Joe would have the file in her shoe rather than the doctor to mm-hmm. get out of prison. um, she produces the sonic screwdriver at the end. She had it. Yeah. Uh, which again, connects us to the fact that the sonic screwdriver was lost in Frontier space.
0: Yeah. I got to say it's, it's a decent episode for Joe and one of the better cliffhanger. We just, I was just tearing apart the episode four cliffhanger, but the episode five cliffhanger, which again has one of those bad cotton lines where he's like, we're done for. And it really like, that should have Ooh. been a Cockney accent there for sure. <laughs>
1: we're done for. Yeah. We're and,
0: Um, But I do like that she doesn't need to be rescued by the doctor that Uh they figure out how to get out of there without dying. And it's not Joe on her own, but like they, they kind of get out and that's, that's pretty good. So um, there's, there's a little bit earlier on uh, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but she does get the story going by going with Kai at the beginning of episode Uh two. And, but she seems very determined to go with him, even though Kai's just explained, you're going to be, do you understand like that you can't breathe the atmosphere i mean you can only breathe it for like an hour and you're gonna be dead like you should not want to come with me yet she insists on going with him which is like why why are you he, he just kidnapped you number one and i get that you're sort of uh i think she's she saw the thing open right the thing they brought when yeah. when he walked by so i think she's latched on to that idea like this guy's the guy we're looking for i have to stay with him but she's kind of taking it to a crazy extreme
1: it she just does joe just really want a boyfriend there badly uh because (laughs) like it's obviously we've we've been to the green death we we see that she does eventually leave the doctor for the first really cute guy to come along uh Hmm. maybe maybe she saw that in kai too uh hi she's a year in
0: i mean she's (laughs) a year into traveling with the doctor she's like you know, probably getting a little hard up here
1: yeah no. yeah uh speaking of kai who's kind of again kind of a weak role uh unfortunately uh, yeah he's he, speaking of shouty
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah he has kai and Varen they, they both just sort of they shout a lot hmm. and interrupt people a lot and you can get it they're angry they're angry they're, their planet's been colonized but like maybe maybe some variation of emotion uh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe during the seasons they only have one emotion. They only have the shouty season, and then they turn into butterflies. Um, no, they. Uh, so Kai, originally the idea was. So they have. They find this crystal in the caves, mm-hmm. and they uh, in in the original script they turn the crystal into a serum. They inject the serum into Kai. He becomes literally, and it is called this in the script, super Kai. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of being this kind of floaty rainbow colored again very 70s very <laughs> earth wind and fire music video kind of thing that he's doing at the end there floating around in rainbow um he yeah he like literally just becomes this super version of himself and then kills mm-hmm. the marshal that way um yeah and yeah how did but did you yeah, like d- that just, by the way how
0: did you like him just killing the marshal
1: I, it just, it's so nothing. It's so just, and it, it's, it was a shame to find out that Barry Letts was very proud of that scene because he was overlaying six different images uh, to create it. Mm. And I think at that point, we just don't care. Yeah. You know, it's it's an example that is still well taken today in modern entertainment. Like, you can have all the special effects in the world, but if if the script just, like, if you don't care about the character, it's, it's not going to last. It's not going to
0: last. And it, I think he was so caught up in doing all the layering. He didn't focus mm. much on what he was layering because there's a bit <laughs> like, basically, if you look at the Kai super guy in the, in the re, the realized version, he's got yeah. this Cape on. So yeah, very super guy, but like the Cape mm. is clearly on a floor, right? Like it's, it's longer <laughs> than his, his feet go. And it's just sort of s- sitting there on, yeah. even though he's floating. So, it, it it's very obvious. I mean, I watched this with Grace and Grace was just like, well, it's on the floor. Like she was kind of laughing. Like she was like, okay, yeah, doesn't look that yeah. good. But I, more like on the act of just killing the Marshall, I, I'm, I was a little disappointed, you know, I, first of all, it's kind of a non-moment. I mean, there's not a lot of, mm. uh, is made of it. There's no, um, there's no real drama to it. Mm. And are we made to think great? You mm. know, like it's, it, it strikes me again for a show that is uh, a script that is very moralistic. It seems like an act of revenge as opposed to justice. And Mm. you can make a case either way, but honestly, I I would have rather seen the doctor being the, the, the voice of that good and that justice step in like, no, don't kill him. He has Mm. to stand trial for his crimes. Like in other words, and see him taken off at the end to the 30th century equivalent of the Hague. Right. Um, that would have been good cuz you know like when you just murder him like that you don't get that uh that closure that that full reckoning of the crimes he's done it's just oh he's gone mm-hmm. and now we're good um it, it's just a kind of an empty thing and yeah he, he uh, deserved to be bombarded
1: ending. with uh, radiation and poison gas uh you know make the punishment fit the crime but yeah it's it's unfortunate lost opportunity i think you're absolutely right about that um Sondergaard's an interesting character, isn't he? Uh, mm. what, what did you think of him? He's kind of first of all, uh, wow. He he must uh, have a lot of razors down there in the
0: caves. <laughs> I was just going to yeah.
1: say, <laughs> he's, well, well perfect bald head. Well, arguably, maybe he's just
0: been not great about keeping that suit on. You know, he kind of like forgot his helmet at one point, and the doctor had to remind <laughs> him. So I was like, oh, so maybe maybe that radiation is getting to him after all. Um, <laughs> He yeah, Sondergard. I, I like the mm. idea of the character. Like it's mm. it's a good dimension when he talks about how he ended up down there. He's like, I really tried to, to do something about this. Like I mm. I radioed to the sent my messages to Earth, but the, the Marshal intercepted them and I realized Solas has become a slave colony under the Marshal. Yeah. So like that's good that you know there are there are this isn't it, it's not new to resist him, right? Like the people have been knowing he's been bad for a long time. It's just it's hard. To once you know once he's large and in charge to actually do mm. something about it, particularly yeah. since he has no compunctions about getting rid of anyone who who opposes him. Um, yeah, Sondre
1: God is the scientist who's gone native. By the way, he did in the original script he spoke bits of Swedish.
0: Mm. Which
1: is an interesting choice, but he still, I guess, got the accent. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it would have, I think, it would have solved a lot of problems at a stroke if he and Jaeger had had some sort of relationship. Like because they're, they're right scientists. and yeah. they take different approaches right sondergaard is the one who resisted uh and jaeger yeah. is the one who obeys orders and that's, having that's them at least yeah. mention each other yeah uh it would have been would have been good would have been more of what you know yeah, more of a coherent whole would have hung together a hmm. bit better as a story i think
0: yeah um, no i totally get that actually it's a really good idea and um and speaking in a special of edition duos
1: of speaking of duos that that kind of should hang together better uh, Stubbs and cotton like it you know it could have been a rosencrantz and guildenstone kind of situation with them like you know uh guards we see so many guards we were talking about this in the pirate planet the idea of like zeroing in on a particular guard uh, as they do mm-hmm. in the force awakens you know and, and kind of just letting them see letting us see under the helmet for once great idea doesn't really you don't really feel them do you i mean i Mm. I don't think it's just uh rick james struggling with the cockney uh script um i just i don't know they they seem like they should pop more than they do
0: yeah i feel like you they're slow they're a slow roll like you kind of get a couple of lines early on um but you don't really get a sense of like oh we're supposed to be getting to know these guys and rooting for them until around you know episode two or three and um yeah i I feel like they they should be punctuating more scenes rather than just kind of representing kind of the resistance side of things when it's called for right and you kind of want a little more dialogue between the two of them and you know just lines that are a little more knowing a little more explicit about what they're thinking i think would have been great um Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot. There's just a lot of missed opportunities. I got to say one Mm. of the other weaknesses is just in the set choices and the set design (laughs) Um, because they obviously reuse the same set of the sky base for the receiving transmat thing on the planet. So it's the exact same set. So that's just practically dumb because it's just like, well, now I'm confused where the characters are. Like there was a point where... Sondergard comes in with the mutants in the set, and the first thought Grace and I both had were like, "Wait, how did he get to the sky base?" And then we're just, "Oh, right, this is the other place that looks exactly the same as the sky base." And so, yeah,
1: I like, didn't get that either. Yeah.
0: W- would it have been that hard to like put a freaking towel up or something, <laughs> or like yeah. something, just make it look different uh, so that yeah, you, it just was put clear?
1: Color sheet over the lights, just change the lighting a little bit. Um, yeah, totally, and it's yeah, it's funny they they went through such trouble in the seventies to try and match the things that were on film with the things were that were in the studio, but yeah, something like that didn't didn't pay attention to at all. Uh, and speaking of going back back and forth, so it, we obviously we have another transmat kind of situation, mm-hmm. uh, called transfer cubicles here. Uh, But again, it brings up too many questions today, right? Yes, it's a kind of nice, cheap way for any science fiction script to get you from the the ship or the orbiting station to the planet, which is something you often need to do Mm -hmm. uh, in science fiction without too much of uh, messing around in a shuttle uh but again just <laughs> as we were talking about the ark in space really brings up too many questions are you are you uh killing people at one end and and reconstituting them at the other um you know if you can do that why wouldn't you say uh beam up all the people from solos and put them on a separate station if you want to keep your segregation situation and you know not not bombard them um Mm-hmm. Like it, it wouldn't take too much to doesn't seem like there's a lot of them down there um <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah you know instead of just hunting them down which takes a lot of time and energy uh yeah just just transmat them up or you know sa- save them you don't even need a separate station like again we, we talked about this uh, time delay element in the arc and space like if you can beam someone from one point to another it doesn't have to be immediate it could be months later once you right. terraform the planet um so yeah yeah just brings up too many questions now but obviously it didn't at the time uh it's much more of a, a high yeah thing.
0: the whole beaming thing like i mean you know mm. it's obviously just a plot device to, to quickly cut mm. to things but i i think you could sort of justify that it's not actually destroying you and reconstituting you depending on the technology and um i th- i think If you're somewhere, because the the, the other issue with with beaming is that why can't you just duplicate people if you're literally like saving them and then reconstituting them with some matter? You should be able to like rebeam people again and again. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you have to sort of buy into the fact, the the idea anyway, that they're somewhere. They're not there they're somewhere they've they're, they're passing through some other thing. And I suppose what you could think about is like, well, what if it was like wormholes? What if these were like a micro yeah. wormhole that you just suddenly project around every atom of a person so that it's, it's literally the same matter. It's just going mm-hmm. through uh, a artificial a way of, of, of yeah. folding through space. Um, yeah. If that's the technology, then that, kind of solve some things but that sounds like hmm. really hard technology even harder than the stuff we we generally think of as a, as a transporter
1: personal um, wormholes though you're, you're absolutely right you, you've got my head can kind of going on uh, uh matter transference and beaming down now so appreciate mm. that.
0: yeah uh, i think, mean yeah. <laughs> you, you'd have to they'd have to be more explicit about it uh, at some point yeah um so, so there is another thing that's pretty inconsistent here, not yeah. within the story, but in Doctor Who, where the doctor like resists a lot of radiation. Like, oh, yeah, Professor Sondergaard is like in a radiation suit and he yeah. needs a break. He, he falls down and the doctor just leaves him. He, uh, this was just also one of those guys <laughs> like, what? You're just leaving the guy there even though he's clearly not doing well and you, you don't really know how far you have to go yet. You know, in other words, he could be leaving him to die. That was a very yeah. hold it kind of moment for me, but the doctor yeah. keeps going wearing only his tuxedo and he's, he gets the crystal and comes back. No problem. Which is like, uh, how how,
1: how? <laughs> like because yeah this isn't, is doesn't he die of radiation I I haven't seen Planet of Spiders but like isn't he, that he
0: he has died of radiation I mean Planet of yeah. Spiders arguably is something a little different but he definitely dies of radiation when he's the tenth Doctor <laughs> i like, yes. he he gets a big dose of it and he has to regenerate and we also see him taking radiation
1: pills in Destiny the Daleks which we were at yeah, not too long ago so what is so, the deal maybe uh, a time Lord's body can take only so much radiation, can absorb only so much radiation and then it's full up and then anything beyond that Mm. is dangerous. Uh, So if perhaps if the Pertwee regeneration hadn't been so cavalier, uh, the doctor in uh, Caves of Andrasani, for one thing, could have, because that was radiation <clears> as well, right? Spectrox. Um, no, that was poison. Oh, no, that's poisoning. Poisoning. No. Um, but yeah, may- maybe like that's why the 10th doctor has to die. Maybe that's why he's so pissed <laughs> off. And he's like, oh, God damn it. The dude in a tuxedo messed up my favorite regeneration.
0: It's like, it's totally only a one-time thing for Time Lords, I guess. Like, it doesn't even carry over from... You don't get a reboot every regeneration on, yeah. on your radiation
1: uh, intake. Okay. Yeah, you, you're, you're at maximum Neville now. Like, maybe, maybe the Doctors... Maybe Destiny of the Daleks reveals something more. Maybe he's just huh. on a course of radiation pills in general. I guess take them every day, like statins. I like it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's just doing it for show,
0: for Romana. I don't know. Um, maybe
1: it also ties into the healing that he needs to do with the telepathic circuits at the end of Frontier in space. Uh, like maybe he's more uh, open to injury at this point. I don't know. We we can head this about ten million ways. Um, so, but yeah, speaking of Time Lords, I think
0: we have to unpack, like, <laughs> literally unpack the box they've left us here. Yes, because what the hell? Mystery like, box. yeah, they give it like it's it's the they're the most cryptic. Uh, 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 signers of of missions (laughs) like they don't tell the doctor anything they just program the TARDIS give him the box leave him to figure it all out uh okay and the box just has these tablets that he's supposed to give to Kai but Kai couldn't figure it out Well, this is the thing. This is one of the other. We were talking about how weak Kai is. One of the other problems with it is he gets these tablets and he just kind of ditches them because they're not Mm -hmm. weapons, leaving the doctor and Sondergaard to figure them out. And they do, but it's like, well, why was that for Kai in the first place? And why why were these even in the possession of the Time Lords, right? Like, wouldn't these be shouldn't these be on Solas somewhere? Did they? You feel like there's this whole CIA pre-adventure. On Solos yes. or something where some Time Lord sort of gets them and some somebody dies and, and hands them to him or whatever because he's running from the Marshal's goons and he takes them back to Gallifrey and they realize there's some <laughs> – solos plays some key thing in the far future. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, get this back. The Doctor's got to make sure that gets sorted out because the, the Marshal is screwing up this fixed point in time.
1: It, it would be lovely if the, the doctor sent it to himself in the end. That was the revelation. But yeah, you, you kind of have to headcanon uh, what's going on there and maybe headcanon it in the wider plot of the fact that the doctor is exiled to earth at this stage. Mm. Like this whole adventure is just a, you know, I guess a test by the time laws. It's not really discussed yeah why they're letting him do this is this the first time because obviously the time was would do this a lot mm-hmm. during quote-unquote exile like he gets a lot of side quests is this yeah. the first one no no
0: colony in space i think mm-hmm. uh was definitely one of these this is like might be the third or wow. something do you remember
1: uh, how how the time lords contact him in, in the other ones? Is there? I think anything? it's very similar. It's always just
0: no. There's mm. the only time you see a time lord prior to three uh, doctors is in Terra of the Autons, right? The time uh, lord
1: in the bowl of hats. Yes, we've uh, been there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> such I think. such a weird way.
0: Yeah, why, yeah. Why so yeah, the Curse of Peladon. Of course, Curse of Peladon was similar. Oh. So so yeah. yeah, this is like the third, the second. This is definitely the th- at least the third time they've done this.
1: Yeah, wow, yeah. Talk talk about using prison labor. <laughs> um, goodness, the the doctor is in exile, and he, he just. They're using them for all these quests. You've you've got to you've got to head it. I think as it is a test for the Doctor. That's why it's so inscrutable. That's why it's a mystery box, and you have to get this particular guy to open it. You know, so it means you have to be in this t- place at this time, and then you have to find the Professor who will help you. And like, it feels almost. Like a video him for game, what right? though?
0: For for the three Doctors for to be released from his exile, you have to like yeah. pass these.
1: Logic problems to, to yeah. get your dematerialization circuit back. It just sounds so silly. Haven't we had several indications though that the doctor's education was not quite complete? Mm, that he may that's true. In fact have dropped out of college, um, and uh, well, I think he in-
0: passed it's... with fifty-one percent on the second attempt. Yes,
1: <laughs> according to so Romana. Maybe to have him as one of their agents, the time lords are just sort of embarrassed at his academic. Uh, is lack of academic prowess, and so this, this is all like this is extracurricular. <laughs> this is uh, extra credit. You're going to bring him up to scratch for, I guess, the time lord civil service. Uh, uh. <laughs> he just has to complete these tasks, uh, which seem very, very video gameish. You also got to answer almost all like these he's playing mist. Mm. Yeah, well, he's
0: <laughs> got to answer a lot of questions on the test. I'm oh, sure, yes. but you know. We have our own questions to answer about the mutants. And of course, those are the four questions to Doomsday. All right. First question. Why did the randomizer take us here? Well,
1: its I mean, take your pick. My goodness. Uh, Frontier in space to this. The mutants, uh, the mutant that features in Frontier in space, you know, the Mm -hmm. Doctor intro on a space mission. uh, it, It Primarily, I fear that it is my a uh, request for more <laughs> more bright lines in, uh, in a political uh, conflict on the planet that brought us here. Sorry, everyone. Uh, but hey, we got through it. Um, I think it wants else? us to get mutant bingo. And yeah. <laughs>
0: it, we won't get mutant bingo, by the way, until we do the Brain of Morbius. Because now that mm. we've done Frontier in Space and the mutants, we have the two appearances of the mutants in the Pertwee era. And you, you sort of see... That costume, anyway, again, one last time in the brain of Morbius. Oh,
1: wow. So,
0: so oh, I think it's really I'm working so, on mutant bingo.
1: I'm so glad those those uh, bugs have checked out once they checked in. So
0: by the um, way, I, I mentioned in our Frontier in Space podcast that the famous Pertwee sort of uh, publicity photo that was taken around this time. Yeah. And I've, I've sort of misremembered it, I realize now, because... It I thought it had a mutant on it. It doesn't, because I actually have the photo. I found I found it. I this Yay! is actually I got this at a uh, at a convention in the 80s, and you can see it's it's pertwee. if you are watching on oh, YouTube, yes. I'm holding can up the photo. Can
1: you hold it up to the yeah, camera so I'm gonna
0: get it even closer. It's Pertwee yeah. with the sea devil and Cyberman and a Dalek. Wow. And yes. The funny thing, like I got this in the 80s, it's sort of signed by Anthony Ainley. <laughs> what? That's <laughs> funny. And, uh, but on the back, wow. Katie Manning. Oh hey. Got Katie nice. Manning to sign it. So um so anyway, just thought I'd throw that in. Kind of funny that that this is a <laughs> thing. Uh, but there is no mutant in, in the photo. So I wanted to set the record straight on uh the famous well, perfect Draw photo.
1: one, draw one on the back yeah. and pretend that Katie Manning did it. Exactly. <laughs> um so thanks yeah.
0: randomizer for making me make that connection back to uh the 80s convention
1: in spokane washington
0: where wow fabulous uh, yeah,
1: yeah the randomizer clearly wants to punish me for for saying that we were we were sick of being earthbound with pertwee sorry mm-hmm. randomizer yes we were not yes he was in space a lot i get it he did his own space operas gotcha uh and yeah.
0: he wore green and red so he has the red jacket in this one, the green one in Frontier in uh, Space.
1: So, style yes, man. Yes, I didn't realize that. Okay, thanks for putting that out, Randomizer. Mm-hmm. Randomizer <laughs> no likes complementary
0: colors. He does.
1: All right. all
0: right, I think we've mined that. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. Uh, for all the Randomizer reasoning. Yes. So Moving on to the to
1: decolonize that question. I betcha.
0: Second question. What if the evil plot had succeeded?
1: okay, so the evil plot is the marshal right uh, no question and he wants to terraform the planet at uh all costs, even if it means killing the inhabitants um I presume that means that we're we're gonna say that the uh the, the attack the missile attack on the planet works and
0: i, I like I like it killed. when we when we you can we can we can unpack whatever you want but mm-hmm. I, I like to when i think about this question think about the last thing that prevents the person right. from doing the thing and that thing doesn't work generally so in this mm-hmm. case is what in episode six they can't get the crystal to kai in time and he dies from the radiation or they basically everybody in that room dies um mm-hmm. the doctor is still betraying the marshal so he's already setting up the booby trap so the thing mm-hmm. blows up in jaeger space just like it does but the Marshal then sh- just, it basically shoots the doctor for his betrayal. And so presumably he regenerates into Tom Baker. Um, mm-hmm. And the Marshal tries to, you know, to, to keep his plan going, which is to say, terraform the world. So gets, you know, coaxes Jaeger into doing it, maybe gets the Tom Baker doctor to help him. But what we can't forget is the time Lords are involved, right? Right. So if yeah. the doctor's not doing his job, they're going to presumably step in and get someone else to do it. Uh,
1: maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Romana can come in early and, and fix this mess. Um, it is interesting, by the way, isn't it? That the Marshall talks about calling um, Terraform Solas new earth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, long, long ahead of the new earth in the, the new series. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So it's Tom Baker, but he's clearly not going to win release from his exile, especially presuming Joe is dead. Um,
0: yeah. So I mean, it seems like the the Time Lords would need to come and clean up his mess somehow, mm-hmm. and then send him back to Earth, and then he, the Tom Baker Doctor, has to one convince the Brigadier that he's who he is, mm-hmm. and uh, be, hey, I'm sorry, but Joe's dead. So it's kind of like yeah. this dark
1: turn yeah. in doctor who history and what? and tom baker all tom baker stories are unit stories because the time lords aren't gonna liberate him now i mean i guess the three doctors still happens maybe it's the four doctors
0: yeah can you imagine tom, tom baker just seems like the doctor you definitely don't want bound to earth for yeah. like exile like he's he's the guy who's always out and in a spinning tardis
1: somewhere in space and yeah just doing stuff man I mean he uh, did have his own share of unit stories and uh, but yeah you gotta think sooner yeah, or later.
0: But he always felt more like a freelancer there. then yep. as opposed to the having it be his job in, as Pertui did. So um Yeah. Uh, I yes. feel like you have a Talk different
1: the, off the off. Like a doctor gets distracted and starts writing a blog about uh, earth candies mm. um, and why jelly babies are his favorite.
0: Well, I just feel like you have a less successful Doctor Who after this, and it sort of ends Mm -hmm. after a couple of seasons of Tom Baker because no one wants to see him on Earth, (laughs) uh, stuck on Earth, and uh, we don't have the show.
1: <laughs> yeah. It just ends around so 1975, would, 76. Would he still meet Sarah Jane Smith? This question. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, it's all good questions. Just yeah. Uh, wow, so many, so many questions <laughs> from this evil floor. But so, so funny how many of these evil plot questions end with "What would the next Doctor do in this situation?" <laughs> um, but ultimately, that. I just, right. I just
0: don't think the Marshal can succeed because of the Time Lords mm. being involved now. If he does, if he somehow gets the missiles and changes the atmosphere, does that then screw up the whole web of time or whatever? Because presumably Mm. the Time Lords are invested in Solos being this, you know, normal, like basically going back to status quo and having this 2000 year evolutionary cycle for some reason.
1: Mm, mm, mm.
0: I mean, maybe the super Solosian, Solonians at some future point uh, just become big galactic players or something like they become these omnipotent they seem to become these omnipotent beings or something that yeah i don't know why they're even restricted to a planet at that point
1: yeah yeah maybe they can they can follow the worm and uh <laughs> arc in space and just become space-bound creatures and, and yeah. maybe they're the ones who go and invade uh nervous station yeah. uh, meeting tom baker at that end all right all right well
0: Moving on to the third question, which is, where is the Clara splinter? Clara Oswald, of course, splintered in time at the end of the name of the doctor. She is somewhere in every single story of Doctor Who doing something in the background.
1: What is she doing here in the mutants? Well... Either she is the leader of uh, the the women of Solos who's taken them all off all of the women off on some uh, uh, random adventure <laughs> to get them out of the way all this nonsense uh, maybe they they go have a spa day while this is all happening uh, or they're off on an adventure vacation um, but I also think that she might be like we, we talked about time Lord Clara. we know exists from the name of the Doctor. She's the one who gives the Doctor the advice to take the busted Type 40 TARDIS in the first place. Maybe she's also the Time Lord who is sending him the puzzle box.
0: Oh, she's CIA Clara.
1: Yes. Interesting. the Clara intervention in action (laughs) (laughs) Clara in action yeah uh, we're going to discover that all of the uh, the Time laws are basically founded by Clara she uh, you know (laughs) the level below the Timeless Children uh, is this whole other plot with Clara involved. But yeah, what what else you've got for for Clara well, Splinters? There's no
0: real reason for all the missiles to malfunction and hit the surface at one point, which mm. is like in episode 4, I think. And I I think she's got to be a junior engineer on Skybase, essentially working for Jaeger but sabotaging those missiles so they don't explode in the atmosphere and she just kind of knows the doctor uh, can clean up the mess better than he would be able to reverse the terraforming in the
1: atmosphere. Mm. So, so she's she's the Jägermeister. Yeah, she's she's snippy. <laughs> I, I meant to ask you, by the way, the like sound effect that one. <laughs> three dad, there are like three dad jokes at the end of this thing. At the end of uh, the the last episode of The Mutants, like there's the, oh, we've got to go back to the cl- broom closet because we made a clean sweep of this. Uh, there's a repeat <laughs> of the, the, the Doctor Who joke. Doctor Who, did you say? Um, right. What, what, as, as, as our resident dad joke expert, Pete, what, what did you think of that? Well, that's why I'm rating this one a dollar, Chris. Uh, oh, <laughs> it's the hey. dad jokes <laughs> Wait, Whoa, I hey. jumped to the last question. Whoa
0: i am you know i'll give it i'll give it uh, I'll give it seven out of ten on the dad jokes <laughs> on there uh no, I thought the doctor who one, it's always a bit of a a mm. dopey th- a joke honestly um mm. I don't know i think I think this speaks a little bit to the juvenile writing that I spoke about last yeah last time in frontier and space that they're kind of pandering i mean I guess it doesn't explain so much later when they did this stuff in the John Nathan Turner era, but this when you're mm. explicitly sort of writing for kids, you're gonna sneak stuff like this in. Um, But I actually like I will say I do like the doctor and Joe in this one because they're about a year and a half or so into the two of them together. They're very clearly at ease with each other, really like each other. And I kind of like how it begins with the doctor saying to Joe, this is too dangerous. You got to stay here. And she's like, oh, no, you don't. And goes out like basically he tries to keep her out of it, but he doesn't try very hard you know yeah. basically is like all right i guess guess you're coming with me and there's a lot of moments between the two of them like that like the joke at the end and the stuff in the beginning they're they're cl- like they're kind of joking with each other at the beginning there's uh-huh. there's some laughing about their situation and they're yeah. just they're just clearly friends and they're just there's a very nice easygoingness between the two of them And there's a really good point at some point where the marshal has taken joe prisoner and forcing the doctor to do what he wants but the doctor yeah. gives her a smile at some point, like it's going to be okay. Like that sort of reassuring thing that he does. And that that's, that's yeah. all really, really good.
1: He does that uh, as well with, with uh, Sorensen and the, uh, when, when he and Sorensen are staying in the lab and Joe has to go, uh, he, he gives her a smile, like it's all going to be good. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely taking his duty of care seriously here with a companion that there's clear affection between her. He takes her hand a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just lovely. It's kind of a, you know, lovely uh, father-daughter kind of vibe going on. There. Absolutely.
0: Um, all righty. So a couple possibilities for Clara. And it's time to move on to the last question, the ultimate question, the only question that matters for the mutants. What did we think of this story? The Pulto open rating system, of course, is five ratings. There's the Dalek, which is what we give to a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, which we give to a not-so-good episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater, which is what we give to a not-so-good episode, but hey, at least they tried something, at least we learned something. Uh, The Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best. And the rarely used Fixed Point in Time, which is a story that is beyond rating. We can't rate it, sometimes for reasons of
1: nostalgia, but also for other reasons. All righty. Hmm. You know, uh I, I almost want to, to add a rating to our system here because my the, the word that comes to mind I may have used it already is wallpaper. It's it's this this is uh kind of it's a mess as a story, but it's very pleasant wallpaper to kind of have on in, in the background, maybe not pay too much attention to kind of a music video, an embryo. Hmm. Um but absent that I'm I'm sorry, I'm gonna give it a reluctant ogron. Mm. Um, oh harsh. It's, it's one of the better ogrons, but I don't feel that I could in good conscience recommend it to our audience. So I don't want to give it the Dalek. Hmm. Um so I don't th- like it's just too much of it and it's too much of a mess. And if you're actually sitting down to seriously watch it, I think you're gonna be pausing it a lot and getting confused a lot and distracted a lot. Uh it's not as bad as its reputation. Yeah um i would maybe switch that to a professor hater if i could think of something they tried maybe it's that they tried all of these uh political uh ideas to to shoehorn them into the script um so maybe it's yeah. professor hater you're kind of
0: spoiling my rating <laughs> because i think this is a textbook hater this is i'm rating a professor uh, hater for pretty okay. much exactly what you just said um I I I almost rated it a Dalek. I, I'll be honest. Yeah. I I was surprised at how much I liked it this time, but that's also because, like I said, when I was a kid, everything sort of went over my head, and I just saw it as a sort of boring Pertwee, every day. Oh, he's just doing another thing, and it's not as fun as seeing Daleks or uh, Ice Warriors or whatever. Um, so I I do think the doing something overtly anti-colonial with some hmm. clear sort of uh, messages about um, evils of segregation, uh, et cetera. I think, I think that's what I'm giving most of the points for. Um, but also this time around, I, I did find myself uh, enjoying someone's so, a portrayal. So evil as the Marshall, um, yeah. even though it probably does get it. it de- this is definitely one of the longer episodes, like too oh, long. I guess it's too long. like, this is too long. like Four episodes would have done, done it just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think because you see too much of the Marshall, like you do kind of like, it, it even that gets repetitive after a while. So there's a lot wrong with it. We talked about it, like the sets, the mutants which are underused um all the effects we talked about the dumb the, resolution with the wall blowing up etc lots and lots of problems
1: that, the cold open that even barry Letts thought looked like the uh, yeah. opening of monty python yeah exactly it's guy but uh, but i will yeah. say
0: like at least they tried
1: something <laughs> it's, it's like
0: they did try to do an interesting sort of anti-colonial tale set in the future and uh, I'll give it points for that. It it All sort right.
1: of it sort of does the job. You convinced me. I'm I'm making mine a hater too. It's a hater hater. Nice. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good good job advocating there. Once once we once we brought our investigators in. And by the way, I kind of love the investigators, like proto proto time lords in there. Right. And little rose gold kind of caps there. Just need some big collars. Uh, they're, they're almost time lords. Um, but yeah, once we bring the investigators in and put this thing on trial, I think, I think uh, professor hater is the right verdict. So yeah,
0: the right verdict. All right. We we need to get like some kind of tweed jacket that we can both put on (laughs) when we do a hater. I think.
1: (laughs) And a bow tie concentrate on fish and chips. Um, all right yes. all right How's well, call wardrobe yeah in the meantime <laughs> let's get back into our tardis and activate let's get go back into the broom closet because we've made a clean sweep of the mutants oh, oh, get us yes. get us away
0: from here randomizer before the dad <laughs> jokes multiply God, got it i didn't even do that one uh <laughs> the randomizer right. of course consisting of two parts The first part, the codex is in front of me. It is a list of every single story that has ever been broadcast in the television show Doctor Who.
1: Mm. There
0: are 302 of them.
1: Yes. And
0: we have done
1: almost 100 of them yes oh wow yeah well almost <laughs> almost <I'm kidding laughs> there. There. the almost is doing a lot of lifting there um <laughs> yeah by the way but last week when i did the intro of like uh, the show we call doctor who uh, and you said what else would we call it uh well i, I realized uh, belatedly that the, the, uh, there are many many answers but one of them is dr mysterioso <laughs> uh, which is, I was believed, taken from the Mexican title for Doctor Who. Um, wow. Anyway, yes. All right. Well, yeah. that reveals a little something about a Capaldi episode, I'll say. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe, maybe you want to take us to Capaldi episode, randomize it. But yes. What, so what is the actual number? It is 214. Fourteen. Okay, alright, we're so close. So I take the numbers 1, numbers 214, and plug them into the executor, which bears a remarkable similarity to the website random.org, which creates true randomness. Uh, not pseudo randomness based on an algorithm, not the kind of randomness we were talking about last week with the Rand Corporation's book of a million random numbers. No, this is bespoke randomness based on atmospheric noise, based on how many of the terraforming gases are hanging around in earth's atmosphere. Uh, And uh, yeah, that's, that's about as random as it gets watching atoms bounce around in an atmospheric space. Um, so that's how we generate our random number. It seems the most Doctor Who-ish way to do it. Um, but we also risk our necks by giving the randomizer challenges, daring to mm. challenge the mighty god of randomness. And I've I got to be careful on this one <laughs> because there's definitely a uh, three wishes of the genie kind of situation going on last week where it gave me what I wished for and I didn't really want it.
0: Yeah, so how about I go first uh, on the challenges? So I now know better than to directly ask the randomizer for <laughs> things I want. <laughs> but I, taking my comments on the evil of the Marshall in this one uh, and how one-dimensional he is, I'm going to ask the randomizer: give us something a little more interesting with regard to evil. Um, hmm. Especially since I recently listened to the big Finnish story Master, which is obviously uh, about the master and uh, has Sylvester McCoy. And it's just an interesting unpacking of the master's evil and really kind of tries to explore it and his true motivations. Um, so uh, it gets me thinking, like, I, I want to see more dimensionality to my evil somehow, hmm. uh, wherever that may be. So, uh, yeah, take us to, to some interesting explorations of evil, Randomizer. Oh, yeah, a good a
1: good anti-hero, uh, mm. as opposed to a bad yeah. anti-hero like the Marshal. Uh, might might be very interesting. A, a, a bad guy with layers. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I'm going to say, please, don't just take us to New Who. I think that would be a very lazy request. Uh, if we, we know that we are exiled here in the Pertwee era, and it's up to you, dear randomizer, to decide when do you want to release us for that exile. However, um I, I think maybe maybe you won't be able to resist this, randomizer. Maybe you won't be able to resist the idea of telling us who your favorite new who Doctor is.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Could, be Could be interesting. Could be interesting. We might be right. we might be forced to read too much into this selection. We'll see.
1: <laughs> yeah, watch it. Give us an old who episode. Just not answer the question at all. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Give me a countdown. We will find out where we're going next. In four, three, two, one. Could I have a lemonade? One hundred and ninety-five. Oh, no, we're way into new. Euro. Oh
0: my god, we are at knock knock, and we knew the answer was Capaldi. We just knew it. Remember, it was so <laughs> addicted to Capaldi early on. We had so many yes. Capaldi adventures. Oh
1: my goodness! And now we're well, back,
0: and with back Bill,
1: with Bill. Bill, yeah, we are released from our exile. <laughs> Capaldi, Bill, and David Suchet, another fine actor to have appeared in in Doctor Who. Um,
0: nice, yeah, yeah. It'll be an interesting one to revisit. I remember not being super thrilled with it at the time, but no? I I feel like a lot of the things we return to in New Who uh, get better with
1: age. So yeah, this will be great this is a good challenge I like it I like it uh yeah not not much of a fan of horror myself but um, but yeah looking forward to giving this one a rewatch and again just so glad to be in new ho so glad to
0: and we're so glad that you listener have been with us all the time here on our examination of the mutants hey guys. That's just what this podcast is about. It's a podcast. You can go ahead and subscribe or follow to this podcast on whatever app or service you are listening to us on. Don't forget also to follow us on YouTube, youtube.com slash pull to open. And Hey, Spotify listeners, we just gave our rating for the mutants. It's time for you to have your voice. Go ahead, check out the poll feature on your podcast app on, on Spotify and go ahead, and have your vote, whether it's a Viscount banger, a', a Dalek, uh, Ogron, a mutant. Oh no! Wait, no, a Professor Hater. He could be a mutant. We don't know. Maybe he's got claws in his, might in, his in his hands.
1: Into a mutant before the end of uh, Pull to Open. He might have a healing
0: factor. He might be, go by the name Nightcrawler. Uh, who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. All those things are possible. Follow us on the socials. That's also possible. We're at Pull to Open on TikTok. Pull to Open at sixty-three on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'll see you here next time where we will be knock-knocking on knock-knock. <laughs> gotta get those dad jokes in. Uh, it's just, yes. it's just gotta. I'm obligated, guys. Uh, but it's we'll see you it's, again it's soon. It's gonna
1: be a dad joke-rich one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Bye, guys. Take care.